Now go ahead and talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Welcome again to another edition of Word Bros. Uh, this week we have uh, a really great friend of ours and a writer, uh, Rich Dewitt, on the podcast. He's written such great things as Gutter Magic, Road of Bones, and um, in Shops Now, he's got Sea of Sorrows. Yeah, dude. Rich is a super terrific guy and a fantastic dude. We're lucky to have him on this episode of The Word Bros. That's us thewordbros.com you can find all kinds of information about us there buy our books there it's all it's really cool it's really great but this ain't about us this is about the one and only Bram Stoker nominated Brand, I'm glad you threw that in Bram Stoker nominated Rich Duick baby Because Kevin does, Kevin does have this habit, Rich. Of uh, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but a lot of the times he is later than the guests to oh, yeah? the recordings. So I, I can understand that. You know, it's like it's like a dad dad thing. I think sometimes because I know <laughs> like, like I've like booked podcasts and then like in my head I'm like, all right, yeah, you know, my the kids will be asleep and I'll be fine. And then it's like you know the podcast is like nine o'clock. And I'm like sitting there with my six-year-old, like reading like one more <laughs> book, and and he won't like fall asleep. So like, yeah, I tell you. Know, and then how do you? Is. And then how do you tell your kids? I run into this all the time. Like yeah. I have two upstairs, and how do I tell them? Like, look, kids, I can't put you to bed right now because Daddy's got to go downstairs and talk to Rich Dewitt. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't <laughs> yeah, care. Right. They don't want to. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But like, so but yeah, we run into that too, and it's always kind of fun. Like every now and then, my daughter will come down and just kind of poke in and can you put me to bed now and i'm like yeah sure i'll be right up you know because she's 10 and she's getting older so that's what happens so rich man welcome back it's good to have you back good to be back man you are you are one of my favorite people in comics you're one of my favorite guests on word bros and i mean your rocket ship is just going right to the moon daddy like you are <laughs> out of control on this stuff man like congratulations on all the success thanks man thank you yeah it's been it's been pretty wild a couple of years uh, you know, I think uh, since since we last spoke, but um, yeah, things have been going really good. Yeah, like you have become like the master of horror comics with your <laughs> nominations for your fancy awards and stuff, dude. Like you are really doing some awesome shit. Believe me, nobody is more surprised than me at that. <laughs> you know, um, I love I love writing horror now. Uh, now that I've done it, but I mean, like, uh, like. If you had asked me like five years ago, are you ever going to write horror stories? It'd be like probably not. You know, it just I just never really thought of it as like like uh, a genre I'd be really good at. But it turns out I am. So um, <laughs> now, what did Rich what did Rich Dulick want to write five years ago? Like, what were you into five years ago, and how did your thought processes kind of change about that? I was really into. Uh, fantasy and science fiction and okay. I still am you know I still am I, I, there's just something I really like about like world building and kind of like you know um telling stories in, with like fantastic elements and, and 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 things like that like you know uh, my first book was gutter magic and I spent a lot of time like thinking about that world and how everything like fit together and that's just, that's just there's just like something like in me that like really likes that like figuring out like you know almost like compared to like writing like the rpg source book mm -hmm. or, like you know for the world like the campaign setting yeah yeah, yeah. For, for any rpg people you know role-playing game people out there um but then um when i was like started developing road of bones it, it it's kind of funny because i was originally just sort of like 
trying to learn about uh, prison breaks, you know, because I was like, oh, prison break stories are cool. I would love to do like, I had like kind of like this vague sci-fi idea for like a prison break story. So I was like, let me look up some some famous prison breaks. And that's doing that research. I kind of got on to the um, uh, talking about the gulag and I read a couple of books about it. Um, and I just realized I was like, I was like, you know, this is, I've never seen a story set in this like situation before, you know, like, mm. like I, I, and, you know, I, I, doing a little more research, I found out there, there have been a couple, but, um, I just felt like it was kind of like underexplored and really interesting. And the more I read about it, the more I was like, this kind of doesn't need some extra layer of like, you know, science fiction or, or fantasy. Like this doesn't need to be like, you know, I don't know, elves escaping a troll prison. I was like, there's like enough really interesting stuff here where like, I don't need to like change the setting. I was like, you know, like I wanted to add like a supernatural element to it where, you know, where we got the monster and stuff, but I was just like, there's kind of no reason to take this out from where it really happened. I thought that at the, the fact that certain parts of that story actually really did happen made it all the more horrific. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, like, no, totally. there's a, like there's a real road of bones in Russia. People are buried under it because they were worked to death. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. like a hard, horrific thing. So it was just like, and not that I was trying to take advantage of it, but it was just sort of like, I don't know. I just had this notion that like maybe telling a cool story there might like inspire people to kind of like learn about it mm -hmm. and, you know, think about it. No, totally. And I mean, you mentioned earlier, like elves and trolls and shit. I mean, the idea of being in a Russian gulag is just as kind of foreign to most people as, you know, a, a treasure trove and a dragon living under a mountain. Yeah. If anything, yeah. the dragon under a mountain has probably been more kind of excavated than the idea of like this Russian gulag. So you're kind of playing with your own fantasy world in a yeah. sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, in a way, you know, yeah. It's almost like, you know, like what would you do in that situation? And, you know, I mean, I think that's like at the root of like a lot of stories, like why we kind of like connect with them is, is thinking about like, you know, what we would do in that situation. And it's just, uh, yeah, when I, when I was like writing Road of Bones, it was like, yeah, like, I hope I'm never <laughs> like, out out in the wilderness starving with uh, with people because you know who knows what might happen. Yeah, like, <laughs> you're thinking. I hope I don't run afoul of uh, of uh, Putin and the Russian government either. You know, yeah. <laughs> not saying that the conditions are the same, but I'm sure there, there's probably similarities. There he is. Well, well, well. Look who decides to join us. Hello, Kevin Cuff. We already hit record because I didn't want to keep Rich waiting too too long. No worries. Do you miss some really interesting things that Rich was saying? Because Rich is a really interesting guy. Award nominated uh, writer, Rich Duick. The Bram Stoker Award. I know, I know. Yeah, that was That's, pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I, I was telling Bob before that like, I, I didn't even really, I didn't even know that we were nominated for it. The way I found out was uh, Alex Pacnadal like DM'd me and he was like, He's like, congratulations. And I'm like, for what? <laughs> <laughs> what I do? No, you're Rich Duick. You were like, what did I do now? That's great. Yeah. So uh, it was just a really, really nice surprise. And, and you know, totally kind of like honored. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's really cool. Like, and you've uh, made your way to the second round. Like you got through the preliminary and now you're in the finals. And then is there like yeah. a fight to the death when it comes to like the, the the award actually that happens well basically it, it's like the award is is given by the horror writers association okay so all the people voting on it are actually writers um and you have to be kind of registered uh with them to be a vote and be like a member in good standing Dang. or whatever to be able to vote so it really is like like you know cool it, it, like similar way to i guess like you know the Eisners in comics, or or like the Oscars or whatever. It's like I mean I'm not trying to say it's like an Oscar, 
but I'm just saying it's like <laughs> no fuck that rich say it's like an Oscar like just yes. say it it's it's not like the kind of thing where like everyone can like mail in their vote like if if, if you're a fan of Rota Bones it's like this is like kind of like people an industry, hard. industry award if you will it's an industry award yeah. yeah and that's really cool because it's like you know it, like because it's like saying that like all these people that like are horror writers looked at this story and thought it was it was you know of that caliber to like yeah you know it's like like i'm not saying i'm like i'm not as good a writer as neil gaiman or stephen king or dean kuntz or any of those guys but those are all names that have been nominated and have won yeah awards so it's like you're sort of like like looking around in the room, like, am I supposed to be here? But it's like, <laughs> you, know. you we do that in yeah. every con, Rich. You're talking to the wrong two guys. It's a cool feeling, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And I mean, so that's kind of neat. It's it's so it's not like it's not like a People's Choice Award that Millie Vanilli's yeah. gonna win. I mean, this is the real deal kind of stuff. Well, yeah, but, I mean, to be fair, I don't think Millie Vanilli writes any kind of uh, horror fiction. And if I, they do, it's probably awesome. I know one yeah, of them's dead, so. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and like, there's nothing wrong with, with like the, you know, popular People's Choice Awards or like where like they take votes or whatever. I'm just saying that like, you know, I think the, the thing that, imp the reason why this like feels good to me is that it's like, it, it, it's kind of like other horror writers saying like, you know, this is good horror. Dude, you don't have to explain yourself to us. I mean, you're being recognized for your work and that's a good feeling on any level. So, I mean, oh, and, and, and me, I'm just, I'm just helping you bask in that. Like, I just want, I just want you to wear like a white coat and, you know, just throwing money around. Like you're dressed like Ric Flair circa like 1985, you know? Well, the good the good thing about being in, in this round of it was like in the preliminary <laughs> round it said like in big bold type like in the front it was like it was like this is the preliminary ballot you cannot refer to yourself as a nominee you cannot refer to the book as nominee <laughs> like you know it's like it was like don't like you know no shenanigans no shenanigans like you're, you know this is just saying we kind of like you, but we're not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then the final ballot, like at the, at the top, it's like, it's like, you can now refer to yourself as a finalist or, you know, or a nominee. And I was like, nice. <laughs> you go change your Twitter bio, you know what I mean? <laughs> so is, that the, is that the first thing you did when you were officially of course. nominee, you changed the Twitter bio? Second or third thing, but definitely the same thing. Hang on, hang on. I'm gonna go there right now. Yeah. I mean, it's it's because you know you would change yours if we were nominated for Hell anything, yeah. Bob. See, <laughs> you can't ask him what you would I mean, do. <laughs> definitely the same day I found out. Yeah, I, I because it. it made him feel good. He, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's always nice when your peers are like when your peers give you recognition. I don't want to say that it's more important than when like someone says that they liked your book because it's a, it's the same but different. Like I, that's the best way you can explain it. Um, yeah. Because it, it's it, if when when a regular person says, "Oh, like I really dug Metal Shark," that's cool. But when someone who's in comics is like, "Hey, man, that that part, this part here was really cool," because I'm like, "Oh, they write comics too," so like they actually thought about like I feel like they thought about it more or like yeah. they had more time to be like, "This is shit" or "This is not." So like it's it's a much different feeling. It's kind of like the difference between like being like popular and being like respected in yeah. a way. You know yes. I mean? it's like I wouldn't know because I'm not either, but I get what you're going for. <laughs> <laughs> now, what would you rather be? Would you rather be popular or respected, Rich Dulick? It's tough, man. It's like, you know, I think you kind of want to be like right in the middle there. <laughs> get like, off the just... fence, you politician. Well, no, no, no. You want you want to be respected, but like you don't. It's like, you know, you want to make a living too. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, you kind of got to be like, uh, I don't know. It's like the ideal thing. I think it is both. But like, if you had to pick one or the other, it's probably better to like you know be respected by your peers and like have like you know. And not everybody gets to be well, Mark Miller, so. That's I mean, I, a lot of popularity is fleeting too. You know yeah. what I mean? It's no, like, it is. It totally is. You could be, like, you could be the hot thing on Wednesday, and there's going to be a new hot <laughs> thing on Friday. But it's yeah. like you know, 
you write a book that like people really really like and respect the work in it's like that's timeless it's totally when i was a kid i went to a henry rollins he um he does those talking spoken word yeah spoken word and he was talking about why he was in johnny mnemonic or something like that i guess he was in in the 90s he was in a bunch of movies he was was like you know seeing kids and some of the old punkers give me bullshit about being in these movies like why are you doing these movies like because they paid for my albums because i I do the art that will make me money and then I do the things that I really want to do with that money and I was like oh that makes a lot of sense so I mean you can kind of live in both worlds and I think you know that's what we all kind of aspire to be right yeah you know doing your you know look at all the guys that have big two books that also do all the shit on the side do all the image books yeah yeah they're doing their big two books and then they're doing their image book or their their book at boom and they're living in both worlds and it seems to be working out rather well for all of them you know (laughs) And they're the models that we all follow. So that's the things that all of us who are trying to come up in comics, we go, oh man, wouldn't it be great to be doing like any DC character and then having an image book come out like the same week? That's crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. It seems seems tough at this level for that to happen. It's also hard because like, you know, like like timing is like a really weird thing too. Like, you know, you could have something like, done at like marvel or whatever and or dc and not come out for like two years but then it's like you know you you didn't spend those two years just waiting for something to come out it's like you were probably still working during those two years so maybe like in the interim time like that's been done for a while and it's just hasn't come out but then you know and then you got your image book and then that's coming out and it's just sort of like happens that like it all works out that like they come out like one after the other and then but then from the outside it seems like oh yeah well he got the you know he got that dc thing and then so that must have led to the image thing or whatever Mm -hmm. but it's like it's not always like that like from the inside and you know a lot of this is just like from like talking to people like i know like uh a few friends of mine it's just like had stuff that is like you know for whatever reason has been delayed or it's like you know they've worked on it like long in advance or even image stuff like you know uh, i have a couple of friends that have been working on books for for years just only because like everybody got to pay their bills so it's like you know yeah, the artist, yeah, yeah. artist is like going to be taking paying work and then maybe they're working on the the image book like you know on the side on the yep. side there are a few pages there and like it's going to get done when it gets done you know comics time is not a straight line you know what i'm saying like it's not it's just not a straight line it's it's a flat circle to quote dfs ds9 time is a flat circle you know and but it seems like rich you're making the most of your time because you had rota bones that came out what last year and you've got your award and there it is right there on your twitter page i, I saw it with my own eyes I'm, it's the first thing you see bram stoker nominee boom right there yeah. so that Ooh. thing that thing is out and as we're talking as we're having this conversation your next work from idw is on stands now correct yeah yeah uh csro's is out uh issue number four is going to be out next week on uh on march 3rd and like that i've been really really excited about this issue like um because like the first three issues I feel like we were, we were kind of just like sort of setting the scene and building the tension and building and building and building and building. And then this issue, issue four, it's not the last one. We're doing five this time, but like this issue is where like all that tension just sort of like boils over and gets released. And, and like we've got like, there's this, this one spread that I can't even talk about without spoiling it. Really? Okay. <laughs> like, I I I want I want to like have like hidden camera setups for like to like watch people uh, <laughs> when they like turn that page and, and see what happens. I'm just like super excited about it. But like, just in general, I think I think CSR has, has been like an amazing experience because it's almost like um, you know when I was writing Grow to Bones and doing it with Alex. Like for me, it was kind of a learning experience because I had never really written horror before. And it was also a learning experience for like working with working with Alex because it was the first book we, and Justin too. 
the first book we all did together. So like Sea of Sorrows is kind of like, okay, well now I feel like I have my feet under me a little bit more with horror. I know how to work with Alex. I know how to work with Justin. Like we know, like we're all vibing off each other. So it's like everything that like we, we learned with like Rota Bones, it's like we're, we're all just trying to like take it to the next level in CSROs. That's awesome. And, and it looks like you've done that from the covers. The cover work on it looks great. Oh, it's, yeah, it, it's so, so good. Like, like some of the, um, just, I mean, like Alex always does amazing covers, but like, I think he's really kind of like pushed himself to the next level with like our, our A covers. And we've had a bunch of like great artists doing our, our um, incentive uh, like variants. Like uh, for the first issue, we had Katie Swatsky and um, Erica Rose Levine, who's like, uh, super super talented um and my wife um <laughs> there you go there you go uh no i mean she's an amazing artist she does these like great like uh um portrait drawings uh you know like in color pencil and i've been trying dying to like ever since i've been in comics i've been like dying to get her to do a cover and i'm like trying and trying and trying and uh when i was showing her csr she was like this is awesome like like and because she liked it, she she decided that she wanted to do a cover for it. And IEW is gracious enough to let us do that. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great, though. But, uh, but yeah, like, that's been great. And then, like, as we've gone on and got, like, um, Joe Mulvey did one. We all know Joe. Yeah. Him, my Wailing Blade buddy. Uh, we got uh, Brian Level is doing the cover for number four. That's Brian's um, a great guy. Awesome. Brian's Brian, awesome. Brian, Brian's, like, seriously one of my favorite like people that i've met on this journey we call comics he's just like totally cool and he's got an awesome book from ideally too that he's he's actually writing it's called change the grave it's writing it with uh andy eschenbach that's right baby we had we had them on the podcast two weeks ago you don't have to promote yeah. that promote you rich promote no. you I, <laughs> wherever i'm going with comics i want all my friends to be there so i always i feel you promote my uh promote my buds and, and brian is like just he deserves like everything so like i had no issues uh talking talking great about him because yeah. he, he's a good guy yeah he's, he's uh, a solid citizen and now, andy's andy's not bad himself and, and andy's kate, a cool dude andy's yeah. a cool dude kate's an awesome artist it, it's it's a good book I would check it's a good it it's but, a good team yeah if you're gonna buy one IDW book by Sea of Stars. If you're gonna buy two, pick up Chain to the Grave as well. There it is. Okay. Now, <laughs> now let's do this. We've we've mentioned the covers. We've mentioned all this stuff. Tell the Word Bros listening audience what this book is actually about. I was gonna ask the same question. We're on the same right. wavelength, dude. We we share a brain. So basically, uh, it's about a group of treasure hunters in the um, uh, post World War One era that uh, are going after a, uh, a sunken submarine, World War I submarine, German sub, that they believe it has a cargo full of gold on it. And um, in the process of this, they, while, they're, while they're down there, they encounter a, a sea siren, which you know starts messing with the crew. And, um, and there's a lot kind of more going on under the surface, but basically, uh, the book is just, it, it's about, um, you know, greed and post-war trauma and what that drives, drives people to, you know, mm -hmm. um, you've got a few different factions on the boat you've got because the, uh, the captain is a gambler and in debt to some mobsters. So the deal he made was, uh, okay, you can go out and get this gold but you're gonna have uh, a few mob lieutenants uh, on the same boat with you just to make sure that uh, once you get the gold, you don't like set sail for Cuba or something. Um, so that is you know, just sort of like an immediate tension uh, in the crew. You have like these two factions kind of fighting against each other. Uh, and then you also have the fact that all these people went through World War One, and that sort of left 
psychological scars mm-hmm. on them that they might not even realize themselves. So uh, the story is basically just similar to Road of Bones. It, 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 it's sort of this interplay between a supernatural creature that is very horrific and a real world thing that is very horrific and just sort of seeing how those two kind of mesh together. I like it. Well, you were telling us earlier that it seems to be meshing together very well because you've sold uh, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of copies, right? Like you're just, you're just making shit happen, dude. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's like, I, I guess kind of the good thing about um, being in it for a while is that like, you know, I feel like a lot of people read Road of Bones and dug it. So it's like, so yeah, now they're coming back for CSROs and they must have told some of their friends because like, <laughs> you know, we're, we're like, uh, you know, not to get like too inside baseball, but like, like, I, I think like we, we, we did like probably about double or more than double what Sea of Sorrows did, which is great. I mean, what Road of Bones did, which is great. And it's like, you know, Road of Bones sold through multiple printings and that was a great feeling yeah yeah but see if sorrows didn't but it's because the print run was so much bigger mm-hmm. <laughs> that they didn't need to do multiple printing yeah. i think kind of like rota bones took a few people by surprise because i wasn't like a known horror writer and i i didn't have like a kind of like a deep bench of like of uh super popular work you know like gutter magic was came out through idw and it did fine but it wasn't like you know like a mega hit or anything so it was just sort of like i think nobody really not that anyone thought road of bones wasn't going to do well but i don't think that they kind of like knew what to expect so Mm -hmm. it was like so it was like you know we're going to print x amount of copies and then it was like people really caught on with people so it was like Oh shit, we gotta print more <laughs> the orders. So then it was like with like Sea of Sorrows, it was more like, okay, well, we know what Road of Bones did, and you know, we're gonna use that data to kind of like figure yeah. out uh, figure it out so we're not in the position where people can't get the book if they want it. Yeah. No, dude, I'm super excited for you, man. It's really awesome. Like and, and you said earlier that you're kind of building this reputation as being a horror writer, but you also have a lot of other ideas in your head too, yes. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, uh, that's the thing. It was like, like, I'm still kind of like new to the genre of horror. It's like most of my stories that I've written have been like science fiction or fantasy and it's and that's stuff I want to keep doing. So, you know, when I'm talking to, um, when I'm like pitching new stories to places, it's like they might not necessarily be horror. And like part of that is because I don't want to, fall into the thing where like that's all you think like when you think of me you think are and like, that's mm-hmm. it it's like I, yeah i love doing it and i'm going to keep doing it but it's just more like i i want it to i want it to be like a part of what i do not like every single thing i do where like uh people are like well where's the scare like you know like where's the cool yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so so yeah, but I mean, you know, the, but the cool thing is, is, is like I've been able to kind of keep it going, you know, like, like Wailing Blade, we had a really successful Kickstarter last year. That's going to be in stores soon. And, um, you know, Gutter Magic, I think, should be doing a trade this year of like the new stuff we did. With nice. So, wow. yeah. so, you know, it's kind of like keeping it going on a few different levels. We'll see what happens. But, but yeah, I've been like, just like consumed with like Sea of Zaros for the past like few months because it's been coming out. But yeah, it's been really good. That's awesome, dude. I'm really excited for you, man. That's really great. And it's really cool to hear um, that somebody else shares our philosophy on on that with, with writing because um, sometimes, you know, like you said, uh, like when you're writing things, you get known for a specific genre. Um, Bob and I are sort of the same way with that too, where we're like, we, we have a whole bunch of ideas that don't like fit into any one particular genre or they span a couple of genres and <clears throat> horror for one is, is with us. It's like, sometimes it involves camp. Like we just did one mm-hmm. last year and that what that one was l- less campy, more serious. And uh, somebody was like, 
oh, you guys did this really serious story and then you did Metal Shark Bro. Like, that's really weird. I was like, we have a lot of different stories. Like, so, and I think a lot of writers are like that. It's just, you don't hear about them as much because they pitch them. And then they're like, oh yeah, nobody really wants to buy this. Let me pitch this horror thing that I was doing because people want me to write horror or whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's good to, to see yourself that you're not putting yourself in that hole. So I think that that's an interesting point to uh, make to people who want to make comics. It's interesting to keep making the comics you want to make outside yeah. of the, the genre, you know, that, that people get accustomed to you in. So did you freeze? Oh. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's like, make it for like a minute. It was like a little hiccup. But yeah, there was. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, you know, like a lot of people, like you look at, like, like you know, even people like Stephen King and stuff, you know, there's stuff that like blurs the line, like like the Dark Tower, like how, how horror is that and how much is it like, you know, kind of like a fantasy kind of thing, you know, it's mm -hmm. like Eyes of the Dragon. So it's like, no, it is possible. It's just sort of like, you know, I think it's it's harder, like when you're first starting out, like you don't want to kind of like, or I mean, you know, maybe you do, I don't know. But I don't want to just sort of like be like put in a category. Like I want to be able to uh, show that I can do a lot of different things, so. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think you're doing that because like you said, um, you've got Wailing Blade that's getting ready to come out soon. That success, that uh, Kickstarter was successful through Comics Tribe. So and that's, that's like, tell, tell, I'm trying to find a word to use to explain Wailing Blade, but it's like this big kind of oversaturated, like muscle bound 90s vibe, like a fantasy story, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's kind of like a dark feature fantasy story. It's almost like if you took like uh, Master of the Universe and, and Mad Max and like put them in a blender or something, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's like um, there's a lot of uh, sword and sorcery stuff going on, but it's kind of all based on like forgotten technology instead of like, like magic, you know, like, like in the world of Wailing Blade, you could have like a magic sword but it's like it's not really magic it it's it's basically technology that like everyone else like nobody knows how it works because it's it's so ancient yeah um but like you know the story itself is kind of like yeah it, it, it's just when joe and i were working on it we were just like we just want to do like the most like over the top like yeah no know, totally brutal kind of like combat and um you know like we had like a serious story we wanted to tell but we also just wanted it to just be just like crazy action like like you know like anime sized blades <laughs> and then joe's joe's artwork for that book just explodes off the page because i was yeah. getting like very much like a 90s vibe like really giant muscle bound dudes and like big armor and crazy yeah. sized weapons and stuff it was it was a comic that looked so different from everything being produced and i was like wow this is really fun and refreshing and kind of interesting to look at you know yeah well i mean part of that is because you know like joe and i are like um similar in that like a lot of our kind of favorite comics are, are 90s comics you know like that that was like i was reading a lot of comics during the 90s and like for all <laughs> For all its like excesses and for all you know the things you can like ding it for it's like there really was like um a lot to like there yeah you know yeah. like like people like you know people like clown on like rob liefeld like all the time because he can't draw feet or i don't even know if i'm saying liefeld or lethal whatever However, either way we know who you're talking about you say you he can't draw feet we know <laughs> for, like, you know like can't draw feet too many pouches everything everything they clown them on it's like you know that stuff isn't wrong but it's like there was just like like when it was coming out it was just like amazing and exciting and like mm -hmm. wow i've never seen anything like this before and like you know the 90s is like when all like the image guys like started going out you know like spawn and and uh and like wild storms to like that so so it's like there's a lot to like there it's just like i think like what we wanted to do is just sort of like take everything we like and do like a little more like kind of mature and modern take on it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, exactly. So it's like, like 
you know, if it was the nineties and we were part of that first wave, it's like Wailing Blade probably would have ended with like, you know, uh, like a super happy end. Not that I'm spoiling anything, but like the twist at the end wouldn't have happened. Like, you yeah. know, it would have just been a lot more straightforward. Like, yeah, this dude's got a huge sword and kicks ass. You know what <laughs> I mean? Um, whereas I think like what we were trying to do with Wailing Blade was just sort of like take everything that we know about storytelling now and, and things that like we feel like we do better now but still kind of apply that stuff that we love from the 90s in there and so and i look at kind of the 90s books as like punk rock right like you had like yeah. like, like the ramones and the and the then the forefathers of punk rock by the time you, and that was groundbreaking right. and exciting but then by the time you got to you know, 87, 88 bands that call themselves punk rock really weren't so much punk rock anymore because it's the bastardized version of a bastardized version of a bastardized version. And I think some, yeah. of the, I think some of the 90s comics fall into that, you know? Right, totally. But I mean, I loved Wailing Blade. I mean, I, when I saw it, I was like, holy shit. And I think Joe, Joe is the perfect artist for that book. Like the, oh, fact yeah. that, the fact that you guys hooked up on that was by far, it, that couldn't have been an accident. No, no. And it was something we talked about for like a long, long time before we actually finally did it. But I mean, if you want to talk about like, you know, kind of pigeonholing yourself, like Joe, I think is the perfect artist for Willing Blade, but he was really hesitant to kind of get on board because, you know, from what he's comfortable, most comfortable drawing and stuff he loves to draw are things like, you know, superheroes and like, like street level stuff, like, you know, I think like like Red Hood and yeah, Daredevil, yeah, yeah. Spider Man, like that's how he kind of like sees himself. It's like he he's never was never really into sci fi as an artist or even as like a fan. Like you didn't see Star Wars until like two years ago. It was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so like to take on Willing Blade, it's just something that like you know Joe and I are friends, but it's like it's and it's something that I'm really proud of him as like a friend and a fellow creator because it's like he really threw himself into it like designing everything because you know like like because i was asking him to not only design these characters it's like okay now you gotta figure out what the city looks like now you gotta figure out what the grass looks like and, the trees <laughs> like and, and all that stuff and you know it's it's a lot of work but like he threw himself into it and i think like him being a little kind of like um unfamiliar with that it, it, it's it's like he just sort of like rose to the occasion and i think like i think the just the experience of the doing the book pushed him and pushed his boundaries like more you know and and i, I you know i think he feels the same way that's you guys, awesome. you guys yeah. should get him on yeah get him on and talk about it but that, uh, <laughs> i mean that's a result of any good collaboration i feel like yeah. your collaborators will push you to get more out of yourself than you know is there. And I think that, yeah. that you saw that in Joe and you were like, hey, I, th I know you could do this. I just don't think that you've had the right opportunity. And then, then yeah. you presented it to him and there it was. There it was, yeah. it just came out awesome. Like one story, like we tell like a few times, we've told before is it's like, you know, he, he had this idea for like, you know, that this was like a future world and it was kind of like poison from years of like wars and things like that so like the trees would be like really twisted and gnarled and and, and bumpy and like i thought it was great and but I, I told him i was like i was like you know you could have just sent me like regular trees and i probably wouldn't have said anything i probably wouldn't have even, even notice i'd have been like oh cool but it's like but yeah like i love that he put that much thought into like the trees and the leaves and yeah. all that stuff. It's like, you know, it just made it like, just made the book that much better, which like you said, it's, it, that's like the hallmark of like a, a great collaboration is when like everybody is like working towards that, making the book the best it can be. That's awesome. Well, dude, um, you've got, you've got so much going on and I'm so, we're so, we're both so happy for you because you're such a, a good and honest dude and, and just a fun guy and, and a good guy to talk to. <coughs> Tell us where we can find you on social media and all that stuff. Uh, well, uh, I'm R Duek uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. 
and I believe on Facebook I'm Rich Duek author. Um, Very fancy but, author. Uh, yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's like it's like his version of Esquire. Hey, yeah, it's um, Rich, Rich Duek Esquire. Yeah, but I think like the place you could like the best place to catch me is probably Twitter. I'm on that like the most by far. Um, I also have a website, rduek.com, and uh, I have a newsletter there that um, I send out when I have news, which means <laughs> <laughs> not as regular as like some other people's newsletters, like friends of mine that like manage to send one out like every every week or okay. every month or something. Hang on, hang on. So, I'm going to ask you. How the hell do you even write a newsletter? Because Kevin and I have talked about maybe starting a newsletter, but it's like, first off, does anybody want this thing? And what the hell yeah. am I going to talk about in a newsletter? That's the thing. It's like, it's like if I don't really have news, it's like, well, why am I doing the newsletter? But I think like what I try to do is like, uh, if I am able to, I like to give my newsletter subscribers like a little sneak peek of like things I'm working on, um, you know, maybe like some insights into my writing process if I can, or if I'm really enjoying something that I'm reading or, or writing. But yeah, it's like you kind of have to get used to the idea of like just writing it into the void. Like, like I don't know if anyone cares if I'm <laughs> a podcast or if I'm reading like uh, a certain comic and enjoying it, but it's like, you know. I'm going to talk about it. And if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe. They signed right. up for something, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I also, I don't want to be like one of those people like constantly bombarding like someone's inbox with like, you know, something that feels like spam. So it's like, so I try to like kind of keep it a little bit less, uh, less frequent, but it's like when I am sending you something, hopefully it will be something that you want to read <laughs> yeah instead of just about your breakfast or whatever yeah exactly but i guess if you can write about your breakfast and make that interesting then hey have at it yeah but i mean like you it's know the most important meal of the day they say so. I, I mean you'll make me jealous sometimes if you have a good enough breakfast i'm like damn that that, that man had a good breakfast but like if somebody wrote to me and they were like <laughs> you know hey can you talk about pitching or can you talk about like how you write a character like I would happily write something like that in the newsletter if enough people wanted to see it. Interesting. Um, but it, it's just sort of like to do that, I need a little bit of feedback. So it's like, you know, I always like, I'm always like, hey, if there's anything you're curious about, you know, hit me up and, and I'll try to get it in. But most people haven't. So <laughs> well, yes, I mean, well, so I'm just sort of flying blind. <laughs> <laughs> Right. On, on the next one, when you get when you get that, that inquiry about pitching, it's totally not me. I'm asking mm -hmm. for a friend. Yeah. It is a good way to stay connected to your audience. I mean, you know, you acquire a newsletter. They're clearly interested in things you're doing. So why not try to engage them as much as possible as opposed and engaging with them as opposed to screaming into the void that is Twitter. Like you talk about, you know, screaming into a void at a newsletter. I feel like yeah. Twitter is a conversation on a fucking highway because every cars are going by a thousand miles an hour and you can barely even find content you want to see sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know? Twitter, like, yeah, I always either feel like, oh God, like here, here I am, I'm gonna be tweeting about my book again that like, you know, like I've done a hundred times before. <laughs> You're gonna get sick of me because I just keep, you know, I, I, I feel a lot like whenever I'm doing a Kickstarter, I'm sure you guys do too, where you're just like, I'm like, people are just gonna mute me because they're sick and tired of hearing about me saying the same thing like over yeah, and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I always say, I always say this, man. Like, go ahead and mute me for yeah. thirty days. For thirty yeah. days, because I'm gonna do nothing but talk about this. And if you don't want to hear about it, I totally get it. But I'm but gonna talk about they, it because I want the money. Because I want to make the money to make this thing. But then, what are they following you for? I mean, they know you're a writer. They know you use Kickstarter. I mean, then, like, what do they want? Like, what are you supposed to do with your social media? Like, what the fuck, you know? You're yeah. supposed to talk about AEW, Bob. That's what I mean, we do that too. But I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, everybody else is getting rich off social media. We might as well try to get our comic projects funded that way, right? Like, I mean, what? you're right. I don't. You know? I mean, you want a night. You want like a, a little mix. It's like I try to talk. I talk a lot about my, my project, you know, other projects from like friends and stuff that I'm interested in, and and like dumb jokes. Got to throw the dumb jokes in there. You know? Yeah, you need the dumb. Yeah, jokes. I, I'm I'm really good at the dumb jokes. I, yeah. I always have to see myself out of conversations. I make, <laughs> I make the dumbest jokes. 
Yeah. So, well, Rich, thank you so much for coming on. I'm on your website right now. You're going to get a lot of hits probably right now on your on your yeah. uh, what do they call the uh, the analytics? Because I've been on your uh-huh. website. I'm all over it. Uh, CSRO's book four comes out three four twenty one. That's March third. Oh, we got to go through March again. I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm still not over last March. And now there's another one that's here. What the fuck? How did you deal with the pandemic? Are you doing okay? I know we talked about a little bit. Yeah, of this. yeah. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Uh, luckily, you know, uh, we've been lucky enough that uh, we haven't had any health scares or, or like, you know, uh, let's say like job scares or anything like that. You know, like I've been manage to like work from home and um you know get by and it's just like you know just kind of hoping that we're going to see the light at the end of the tunnel and you know get back to something close to normal uh as soon as possible like you know (laughs) i'm going to be the first one like out the door but like uh, (laughs) are you are you going to stop wearing masks i was telling my daughter today i may never stop wearing masks because i had no idea i had no idea people spit on each other so much (laughs) i don't know (laughs) I, I will say I'll, I'll probably never not have one on me. You know what I mean? Makes sense. So it's like, like I, I think like once like the vaccination level and, you know, things have passed like to like a certain extent, I probably wouldn't wear like walking down the street and then, or like, you know, in like certain interactions, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm always going to have one on me, I guess, for like when, you know, things seem like close because it's like yeah i don't, don't want to get this i don't want to get anything really but you know what i mean yeah, totally i don't want to get the next one whatever that's going to be but like, yeah, yeah. like it, it, i think it's like we're just going to have to like kind of do a lot of thinking about like how we're going to do stuff like conventions and, and, and stuff like that where you have like a ton of people in place because i used to get sick at conventions all the time you know congrud mm-hmm. you know like didn't need a pandemic to like uh you know, wind up with like a sore throat and, and, and feeling like crap, like for, you know, soon after a con. So like, I don't know, you know, wearing a mask. I was, every con I've been at, I've always like pureled like crazy. So it's like, you mm-hmm. know, wearing a mask is not, uh, it's not that, you know. Maybe they'll be like, Maybe yeah. there'll be like an Andromeda strain kind of level de uh, delousing or whatever before people come in. They'll just spray off their first layer of skin and they walk through like powder and all that shit. <laughs> I don't know, man. But, you know, I don't know. It's like there's kind of like a, I, I, I kind of feel like it might turn into like a fashion thing. Like, you know, yeah. like, uh, like, oh, look at my mask. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be like like the hot pair of sneakers, like you get like the hot limited edition. You got the Jordan mask. Yeah, <laughs> got the Jordans. You got the Wailing Blade mask on. Yeah, right buddy. Well, I I can't wait to see you in a mask very soon at a convention. Rich, thank you so much for coming on. Pick up CSROs. It's in stores now. Volume four, or excuse me, issue four comes out on the fourth of March. So check that out. Order that at your shop. And thank you so much for coming on, buddy. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's always a it's always a good time, and uh, yeah, we should do it more often. <laughs> Agree. Okay. That was Rich Duick. What a guy. What a cool dude. What a friendly fellow. What a talented guy. It's crazy to me to think that Road of Bones, which is now an award-nominated work of horror fiction, is his first horror book. It is. And, right? And, and, it, and, it, was, and it was him. He detailed that process on, on Twitter. So uh, for, for people who listen to the podcast, for those kind of process things, um, follow processes. Rich on Twitter. Yeah. The, the yeah. processes, the writing processes, you, you can see it on Twitter. He kind of talked about how he uh laid that out and figured out how to do horror so um it's one of those things where you know if you're if you're wanting to write a genre just figure it out you can do it yeah r duick is his twitter handle r d o u e k follow him on twitter good dude good guy all of his books are great and it's just good to see good people doing well 
It is. And he's one of our, he's one of our dear, dear friends. And we're, and we're always glad to see Rich. And I'm glad uh, Kevin was able to join us on this episode of Word Bros. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I was able to join you too. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure you can find all of Rich's books that are out now or that have been out in the past. Go to thingsfromanotherworld.com or you can just go to thewordbros.com and click on our little banner on the side of the website and you can do all your shopping right there through the portal. You can do that. And while you're shopping for your comics, you're also helping out the podcast, which is super cool. So we'd like to thank uh, Things From Another World for sponsoring the Word Bros podcast. That's it, everybody. We will talk to you guys uh, next week. We have... um, we have a couple people coming up. Andy Schmidt, I believe. Andy Schmidt from, be coming from, from on. Um, Comics Experience. Which should be a very interesting conversation for those of yeah. you that want to learn how to make comics and find out what the comic experience is all about. Rich is actually a uh, an alum, if you will. From he the is. Experience. He is a comic experience alumni. Yes. We have uh, Hoyt Silva and Doug Wagner coming on talking about their Kickstarter that they recently launched. They're going to be on soon. We also have Joseph Schmalky who's coming on as well. So we've got a lot of good guests coming up. So you guys need to stay at the space. Make sure you subscribe to the Word Bros podcast wherever you listen to podcasts on Apple. If you listen to it on Spotify, you make sure you follow us so you get all the episodes. And thank you so much for listening. We greatly appreciate you listening to the Word Bros podcast. Kevin, it's always a pleasure to see you, my friend. It's a pleasure to see you too, bro. And we'll talk to you next week. You're listening to the Word Bros podcast, thewordbros.com. 